everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. And today we are talking about one of our favorite animated films. I don't know if you'd say this is underrated, but it's one that we like a lot. It's The Secret of Nim. And the reason why we were talking about this is that it is its 40th anniversary. Yeah. It's very exciting. It is exciting. Hard to <laughs> yes. believe. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. Stanford's here. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about this movie. Kind of yeah. unexpected. Like, what? It's 40, it's 40 yeah. years old. <laughs> yeah, I think we one of our mutuals was uh, tweeting about it. Yeah. And we both kind of saw it at the same time. We're like, wow, we should talk about that. It's, yes. it's so good for this month's animated film uh, discussion. And it is one of my top 10 favorite animated films. Oh, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The last time I did a top 10, I had uh, Secret of Nim, uh, Song of the Sea, and Prince of Egypt as my like uh, 8, 9, and 10. Nice. And my favorite. Excellent choices, Rage. Uh, so it's, yeah, I love it. I love this film. I think it's very calming. We'll talk more about well, why I think so. But it's one that I watch and if I'm having kind of a, a stressful day, this is one that kind of, I find it very relaxing, this movie. Uh, you know. The, the, the way that it uses light and color oh. and the music and just the, I find Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Brisby, very uh, kind of a relaxing character, too. She is a great character. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you. It's, you know, soothing. I, mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen this for a, a, a long time. And I, I, I don't think I would necessarily put it in my top 10, but I think it's an excellent film. It's probably my favorite Don Bluth film. Uh, and, yeah, it's my favorite and, as well. Yeah, and, and really just just, a, just an excellent film. Have you gotten to see it on a big screen? Did you ever see you it? You know, if I saw it on the big screen in 1982, I don't remember. So mm -hmm. that's kind of sad, you know, yeah. thinking about memory. So I, I, <laughs> I'm just I'm just not sure. I My guess is that I probably haven't. Probably the first time mm -hmm. I saw it was like on home video. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was only a year old when it came out. So, okay. I, <laughs> so I definitely haven't seen it on the big screen, yeah. but I would love to. Oh my you gosh. Know, I would love to see I'd love to see it on the big screen too. And I wish that you know that could there could be a way to make that possible. Maybe maybe we should get the Turner Classic Movies people or somebody <laughs> you know, make a request. That would be <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, it would be amazing because the visuals, the animation is uh, is so beautiful in, in this in this film. So this was a U a, a U at United Artist MGM. So who owns the, the rights for this now? That's it's... what I'm 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 not sure about that because uh you know and it was also Cause... saying that it was like this Aurora production which I guess was probably just the production company of the time that funded it or made it. Because MGM is now owned by Amazon. By right? Amazon. And so, I, I mean, I, I wondered, I was thinking the same thing, Rachel. I wondered if it was part of that Amazon acquisition of MGM. That, you know, it was in the, mm -hmm. it was in the MGM library that Amazon now owns. 
from that time period. I was just curious because I saw in here on the Wikipedia, it says that a television series is in development by the Fox Corporation. And I know Fox TV is different than Fox. Than the Disney owns. Disney, yeah. Um, but, uh, but still that would be interesting if Disney ended up owning Secret of Nim like they did Anastasia. I know. <laughs> that really would be interesting. <laughs> How that, yeah. But yeah, I mean, some of the backstory for this movie, uh, it's based on a children's novel, uh, by Robert C. O'Brien that's called Mrs. Frisbee. Frisbee. And the Rats of Nim. Yeah. And, and I I believe I read that book when I was in like elementary school, you know, or or maybe early junior high. Um but again, dang it, my memory is mm-hmm. blurry, is blurry. On yeah. that. <laughs> I I feel like I have read it, but it's yeah, been a long time. Long time. Elementary, middle school, something like that. Yeah. Um, they say that uh, during the production, uh, the Aurora people contacted Whammo, the manufacturers of Frisbee flying discs, yeah. with concerns about possible trademark infringements if Mrs. Frisbee name in O'Brien's original book was used in the movie. Uh, Whammo rejected Aurora's request for wa- for a waiver to use the same sounding name to their Frisbee. In the movie. Even though it's uh, spelled differently. Yes. It's spelled differently. Aurora informed Bluth and company that Mrs. Frisbee's name would have to be altered. By then, the voice work had already been recorded for the film, so the name changed to Mrs. Brisbee necessitated a combination of re-recording some lines. And because John Carradine was unavailable for, for further recordings... Careful sound editing had to be performed, taking the B sound of another oh word from Carradine's recorded lines and replaced the F sound with the B sound, <laughs> altering the name from Frisbee to Brisbee. <laughs> That's so interesting because, you know, I... I just had wondered about that, too. I just thought... I wonder if that's why they changed the name to Brisbee because it sounds so much like, you know, the Frisbee disc and sure yeah. enough, <laughs> Rachel yeah. finds out the scoop. <laughs> well, thank you, Wikipedia and Wikipedia writers. You saved the day. Interesting. <laughs> um, well, so Don Bluth went to the Disney people, and he's working at Disney. And so Don Bluth went to the people at Disney, and he said, "You know, he's got this book. He said this is a great book. We should make it." Um, but their concern was they didn't want to make another uh, mouse movie. Of course, they have Mickey Mouse, and then they had done The Rescuers, yeah. so they didn't want to do that. And uh, so he decided to break out on his own and make this movie and he with Gary Goldman and John Pomeroy. And, John Pomeroy. and if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Don Bluth somewhat disgruntled at Disney, too, probably for other reasons, including that they didn't want to make this movie? Yeah, uh, I thought he. What I had read, and I again, I could be wrong, but he was. There was like some labor issues. There's just some <laughs> stuff that he wasn't happy with with regarding to, like the mm-hmm. end of training. Well, program. and he had done a 27 minute short film, Banjo the Woodpile Cat. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted to make it into, I think, a feature, and 
Uh, Gary Goldman, he says uh, that when they, when Ron Miller re- rejected it, he says that pulled the enthusiasm rug out from under us. We had hoped that the studio might like what we were doing and agree to buy the film and allow us to finish the short film in the studio, which would allow us to recoup what we had spent in terms of money and the many hours that we had, that we and other members of the team had invested in the film. And, and so then they started, uh, Don Bluth had finished Pete's dragon. He went to Wolfgang Reitherman, uh, and with the ideas and, uh, and Reitherman said, we've already got a mouse and we've done a mouse movie. Uh, and so we don't want to do anymore. So I also, I thought I read, read too, that, that, that Don Bluth had done some initial work on the Fox and the Hound, but Again, mm-hmm. that's again clearly around the time he left because that came out in 81 right so yes uh, yeah yeah and i don't think that from what i'm reading i don't think that that bluth and, and goldman got along with ron miller well mm-hmm. sounds like yeah yeah they and and ron miller at the time was really trying to do a sort of darker Right. Uh, films and green lighting things like Watcher in the Woods and something like Wicked This Way Comes and things like that. Well, and hello, the Black Cauldron. <laughs> yeah, Black Cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ron Miller was Walt Disney's son-in-law. Son-in-law, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you a fan of Rachel's reviews? Do you look forward to family movie night, female film critics panels, or the Talking Disney podcast? If so, please consider supporting the podcast by becoming a patron. As a patron, you get to access monthly events such as the watch alongs and Q&As, where you get to talk to stars and find out the behind the scenes of the movie making industry. And you can pick what I review for family movie night or even become a guest on the podcast. Podcasts and YouTube channels are expensive, and I really, really could use your help. I would so appreciate it. You also get to be a member of the Facebook group where we talk about all the films that we're seeing, and we have so much fun. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies and select one of the Rachel's fan tiers. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. So they started their own studios, the Don Bluth Studios, and uh, they started their first project was uh, The Secret of Nim. And we talked about we've talked about this before, but I you know you really dislike Jeff, Jeffrey Katzenberg. We oh my gosh, this. we know we already know that. I've already bored. Thanks everybody <laughs> for listening to my rants, especially you, Rachel. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, he's not like top tier person for me as well, but I'm just curious why you didn't feel similar angst at Don Bluth for leaving I think part of it disrupting. is because uh, exactly I think much of it was because of my age when it happened mm-hmm. you know I was rather young when 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 the Don Bluth stuff was going down and I was a little more I was just a little more old older and more cognizant you know paying mm-hmm. more attention to what was going on uh and I felt almost like I had more invested in it just in my own yeah just my own fandom you know basically or just my own my own personal mm-hmm. interest in it uh and and i just felt i could see the results more with the don blue stuff clearly i was aware of his work i mean i vividly remember seeing the dragons are video game 
you know, uh, uh-huh. it was, it was in the local arcade. I can't remember necessarily which one, but I, and, and remember thinking it was super cool. You know, the, the, the animation of that was so interesting. It's such a cool idea. Uh, you, you know, that you could kind of choose your own route and the animation would match it. Um, but anyway, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a very good question, Rachel. I think I ought to, but I just think it's, it was, it was, it was mm-hmm. a factor of, 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 yeah. of my age and, and, and how much attention I, I was paying to it. Well, and it's always helped in the long run, helped the Disney company to have a rival. Helped them to grow. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> they had, Competition. John Bluth in the eighties. They uh, they didn't have much of a rival in the nineties, but then uh, you know a lot of people tried. <laughs> but uh, but well, then, and in, then Pixar almost like yes. became their biggest rival. You know, so, yeah. Then Pixar, DreamWorks, DreamWorks uh, in a uh, in the uh, O's and Pixar, yes. And uh, and now there's so many. Rivals. Oh my goodness! There's so much, so much stuff going on. And yeah, Don Bluth is still in the game in mm-hmm. some way. You know, he's mm-hmm. got he's kind of got his own little training school. I think that you can pay to pay to join. I don't know if they're producing any films, but I was just reminded. You know, he's done a lot. Of, he's he's done a yeah. lot of stuff. His filmography, you know, is is really interesting. Uh, I mean, I, he had a rough period in the late, uh, well, post Land Before Time. There uh, was a rough. The period. movies were rough, like Rock and Doodle. Yeah. And well, and like the All Dogs Pebble Go to Heaven. Penguin. I mean, All Dogs uh, Go to Heaven is so weird. It is one uh, of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. I just, I just don't care for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but a gambler uh, goes to hell. I mean, it's a weird movie. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, the Pebble and the Penguin, the Troll in Central Park. There was a stretch. Yeah, the stretch. But then I was reminded, you know, an American Tale, super cute. I and, love that one. And working with Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't. Don Booth wasn't involved with the sequel, but he, you know, yeah, his his, his imprint is really strong on on yeah. the first one. Now uh, I was never. Oh, sorry, you first. No, I was just gonna say of the three big Don Bluth films, do you have a favorite? So Lamb the three Time. big meaning Lamb Before Time, American Tale, Secret of Nim, Secret of Nim, and I don't know if we'd throw Anastasia in there or not, but I, but I think you're right. Those those yeah. these are those three. I definitely for me Secret of Nim. Uh, yeah, me too. Land Before Time. I mean, I clearly was never the I was in the target audience when the, you know when it came. Yeah, out. you don't like dinosaurs. <laughs> I mean, I hate dinosaurs, and then <laughs> and then it was I saw it. I remember you know I saw it Land Before Time, and I just was just like I couldn't wait for it to be over, just because <laughs> everything it was like everything like little little baby dinosaurs in peril and all this, all these little tropes that I hate. I don't know. That, that makes me laugh. Just ah, hate dinosaurs. Imagine. I think it's funny. Um, but, How but annoying yeah. I must have been with that. Just like rolling my eyes. Like, oh. uh, yeah, it was interesting. I uh, I watched Lame Before Time for Family Movie Night a couple of years ago and it is so sentimental. Like just lays on the narration of Littlefoot and his mother and yeah. Littlefoot ran after, you know, like it, right. it, 
it's like oh wow <laughs> they do not trust the audience at all to be able to understand like they they not only have the music really selling it and the animation really selling it yeah but then they have to have this this narrator who's also trying to sell it <laughs> interesting you know because it's been so long since i saw it and i just i think i saw it once one and done you know but yeah, uh, it's like it's just narrator. It's like Littlefoot had taken his journey to, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. But well, and what was fascinating <laughs> to me, and Don Bluth wasn't necessarily involved with him, although I hope he got some light and some money from it, but uh, right. never any sequels. I think there's 14. Yeah. And if you want to direct a video, yeah. <laughs> have you seen any of them? I have not. I have never seen any of the sequels. Yeah, I haven't but either. But if you want. A good watch that YouTuber Jenny Nicholson at the very beginning of the pandemic, she she did a video ranking. All the, like, oh, nice. Okay. Videos. Excellent. Like, it was very funny. It was very well done. She she has kind of a dry, sarcastic it's a dry sense, sense of, of humor, humor, right? Yeah. That's pretty funny. And I think the reason why the secret name is so effective is because it has such a great protagonist and yes. i think mrs brisby is just one of the best female protagonists certainly one of the best mothers yeah ever in film she's terrific i agree and i just yeah. love her she's 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 so um compelling i mean it's just yeah there's, yeah, there's just so much great everything that's great is great about that character yeah. I think what makes her so good is that she's such a reluctant hero. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to be doing it. She's very nervous. You see her shaking uh, in most of the scenes. You see her get upset. You see her be uh, vulnerable. You know, like when she loses the medicine and you just how devastated she is. And she's yeah. really just doing all this for her son. And I think reluctant heroes are, are usually some of the best because we they're just so human they're so honest i mean yeah, I think that's so relatable yeah and i think that's why someone like samwise in the in lord of the rings he is a very likable character because he is such a reluctant hero yeah he's yeah I agree. only there for his friend yeah that's really 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 excellent points rachel i, I like how she she is so de so devoted to you know particularly her little sick child that she never to me never never comes across as i feel like it's just bravery mm -hmm. you know she just has to has to summon courage and, and and get it done but it never feels hokey or stupid or like you know, i never rolled my eyes you know like uh, what's yeah. this? uh she's she's just so genuine mm -hmm. and and you know the stakes feel real too. I mean, within yeah. this, you know, within the construct of the story, uh, you're, you know, you're just so concerned. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I yeah. you are immediately worried about her and yeah. want her to succeed. And I think the Elizabeth Hartman, she's in the vocals, is so good. Voice performance. Yeah. 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 Really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, I got a lot of pushback and flack for my saying that I think Raya and the Last Dragon should have been a musical, and I still stand by that. It's interesting about this is I think this one 
I feel the reverse. I don't think it needed to be musical, and I'm glad that they didn't. Yeah, me too. most of the John Bluth films were musicals. Yeah, the musicals. And this has a couple songs in a right. soundtrack, kind of a thing. But I, yeah, it never goes the the, the route of the musical, and I'm glad yeah. too because I think that would have been. Yeah, yeah, it would not have been as good as film. I don't think. Yeah, even with the, it, even with the best of songs, I just think yeah. That. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as good because, again, because she's such a meek character, she, I think you need like a certain amount of of kind of vibrato and a certain amount of moxie right. to to be a kind of to be in a musical and to be a, a, a musical character. I mean, again, to, in my defense of why I think that Raya would have been better is because I feel like she has that, and there's all the spots in the movie perfect for songs. Uh, whereas this, I don't think you need it. And it really would have been distracting. So I'm glad that they didn't, because like I said, most of the Don Bluth films have yeah. our, our musicals, Thumbelina, um, American tale, Anastasia, you know, all of those, uh, all dogs go to heaven. All, yeah. They all have songs. They have songs. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, I, I Thinking back on this too, and then again looking at Don Blue's filmography, you know, one of the first animated things that I saw of his too was he did he did a musical number from Xanadu mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty. I don't know. Have you ever seen Xanadu Rage? I never have. Oh my gosh, be grateful. It's the most <laughs> horrible it's the most horrible film. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the worst film ever made. Frankly, oh, whoa, really? Uh, that bad? Huh? Well, maybe, maybe close to Plan Nine from Outer Space. You know, <laughs> that maybe is the worst. Yeah, it's, it's really so bad. horrible. But but it's almost <laughs> like it's so bad you have to watch it. You know, at least once. Yeah. But there's this animated sequence. You know, that's that's furthering the love story in the film, and it's a Don Bluth. Oh my gosh, you know, I it, didn't realize that. Yeah, that's there's funny. a Don Bluth. Yeah, I bet you we could find it on YouTube. I mean, you know, show the music video, but. Don Bluth has got such a distinctive style. Sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. I definitely like it in Secret of Nim. I just think it's just kind of and it's interesting that clearly this you know, they were maybe many of them had already worked together at Disney or on other, you know, on other projects, but uh, it's almost was like such a mature piece of work for their first, you know, yeah. for their first film. And Anyway. Yeah, if you think about the animation at the time, somebody like a Ralph Bashti, you know, yeah. and the, the rotoscoping a lot. All the rotoscoping that he did, yeah. Yeah, and if you think about um uh even the um the uh if you think about the um uh, Xerox method at Disney, yeah. all those different kind of cost cutting measures, and then you watch a movie like this and you see that that not only were the the mouths moving in a scene, but the whole bodies, the way that, like I said, the way that her body just shakes yeah. in almost every scene and you, it helps you get invested in the characters because, because they feel so lifelike. Mm-hmm. They're not like hyper realist realism, but they, right. they're just so vivid. Oh, absolutely. You know, the eyes are so mm-hmm. well animated. And yeah, I know I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, again, I love the music from Jerry Goldsmith. I think it's great. Oh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful soundtrack. Mm -hmm. Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah. I love a real plus. Yeah. Um, And she starts out going to Mr. Ages to try to get some medicine. And he says that they cannot move uh, her son, Timmy. Uh, Timmy has pneumonia. They can't move him for three weeks, but moving day is coming. And then we have her meet Jeremy the Crow, voiced by Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise is kind of comic relief. Yeah, and he's in almost all of the Dom Bluth movies. He's not in um, Anastasia, but he's in a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think of Jeremy's comic relief? You know, it's good. It's, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, again, a bit, possibly a bit cliche, but you know. There's, there needs to be some comic relief because it's so it's so serious. Mm-hmm. So he's not only comic relief, but he's also useful. You know, I mean, he's you know part definitely part of the part of the story. So I I I like him as, and I think that Dom DeLuise does gives a good vocal performance with it too. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe we get a little too much of him sometimes. We yeah, can... no, that exactly, and that that. I know also happens, I think sometimes with comic, you know, comic relief in some of these mm-hmm. f- f- films. F- yeah. For sure. but. So she finds out that the plow is going and is going to take out her um, home. Uh, and so without really missing a beat, she's, she's, I've got to stop that plow. And she figures out a way to, to get it to, to stop. And that's just the kind of character that she is. She just gets it done. Yeah, she'll take on a giant plow, this little tiny mouse, uh, without without questioning it. Yeah. And uh, and then uh, they, even after doing this, they they tell her to go to see the great owl, and uh, she, you know, she says, "What owls eat mice?" And. Uh, uh, and uh, they say, they say, my child, show a little courage, which is a theme of the movie. Theme of the movie. <laughs> courage and a pure heart. Mm-hmm. I also think it's really smart the way that every single time she says Mrs. Jonathan Brisby, then somebody says, well, she says, I'm Mrs. Brisby. And they say, Mrs. Jonathan Brisby, which immediately kind of draws you into the story. You're like, Everybody keeps saying this. What happened? What happened to your yeah. husband? Yeah. Everything. I like that too. And and you really get the sense that I mean clearly, you know, her husband was a a brave and noble person that everybody respected. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know. I I I I like that component of it too because it was like it was something that I don't she was like carrying that that i don't know just seemed to like mm-hmm. make her all the more noble in my eyes yeah not necessarily because of the marriage just because she was like carrying on his work you know or carrying on his goodness mm-hmm. uh as she was equally good before during their relationship too you know mm-hmm. at least how i interpret it but yeah yeah i agree and and so we find out that there is this amulet that Nicodemus has and that there's a power in the rosebush in the in the farmer's uh, rosebush and that this comes from the uh, the nim 
the um, National Institute of Mental Health where they did uh, they did experiments on the rats and the mice and everything like that. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Hallmark Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. This is when we get introduced to Jenner, and I think he is such a great villain. Jenner is so great. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I agree. Um, They say that he has lust, lust for power, and he doesn't want to move. And so... He is trying to arrange things to so that he won't have to move. And his perspective does kind of make some sense, which is usually what makes the best villains. Yes. Um, but it, obviously with him, like, killing people and things like that, like, he takes it to this dark place. Uh, but uh, I think that Paul Shannar, who does the voice of Jenner, is so good i was reading on wikipedia that he was a broadway and shakespearean actor and you can yes. feel that in his voice oh absolutely he's a he's a perfect choice and yeah i i th- i just thought shakespeare you know mm-hmm. <laughs> with with his performance yeah yeah it was really really good also love how the movie throughout the course of the movie uses light uh, and and colors uh, whether it's the rose bush or uh, obviously at the end when, with the power of the amulet, but I, I don't know. I just, I think it's so beautiful. The animation in this movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The backgrounds are spectacular. I mean, they're just, you know, these gorgeous paintings and it's mm-hmm. just, it's really, it's just 2d animation at its best. Uh, you know, I think, uh, throughout, there's not like one scene where I thought, Oh, that maybe looked a little like they cut corners or something, you know? Or they, I, I think I just to me every it seemed like every shot and every background, uh, was really beautiful mm-hmm. in its own yeah. in its own way, you know. Even even when they're like underground and stuff, they, as you said, they do such interesting things with the lighting and the color. Um, just really a delight to to look at. Yeah, and then we meet Justin, and he yes. is the captain of the guard. And uh, he's very, very charismatic. And you charming. Think Justin and Mrs. Brisby like get together. <laughs> I think so. I think that's definitely implied. Yeah, I think it's implied. If, if there's anything, I kind of wish that they had gotten together before the end. I mean, <laughs> you know, that was so it wasn't implied. Like we knew, yeah. you know. Because <laughs> he's, I think he's a great character too. I think. Yeah, he's really good and. <clears throat> and she meets with Nicodemus and he shows her the magic book. And we find out that Jonathan was the one who made it possible for the rats to escape the terrible cruelty of Nim and that of he was killed yeah. while drugging the farmer's cat. Yeah. And Sad. 
It is. I mean, this is a pretty intense movie. Uh, that, but I don't remember having a problem with it. As no, a kid, I, I, I don't either. And I and I remember the book being intense. You know, as I re, as I recall. But again, I don't. You know, have like to there were definitely it. movies that scared me as a kid. Like I remember. Uh, being pretty scared of the Wizard of Oz. I remember being scared of Pinocchio. I remember oh Return to Oz was <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> I remember the Rescuers. Madame Medusa really scared me. So there were definitely those movies, but this is not one that that scared me. And I think maybe part of it is is just the light and the hope and the yeah. and especially kind of leaves you on that note, right. Yeah, and, and, and I felt the same with this rewatch too. That, uh, that just the tone of it doesn't ever really get too. I mean, it's 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 a dark enough story that I I I I, I, I hand it to the to both, the, you know, how they the story people on this mm-hmm. as well as how they how they chose to animate it. Yeah, just, well, it's scary. And- I mean, it's just. It's kind of exciting, but but yeah, I didn't think it was ever ever that scary. Yeah. Well, Jenner says that the Thorn Valley plan is the is the aspiration of idiots and dreamers. And uh, and and the uh, and Jenner thinks that they instead should stay and basically go to war with the humans. Um, but he agrees to do it. But he's like, wink, wink, wink. We're going to have an accident. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and then this one, she meets with Nicodemus. And she seems to not know what actually happened to Jonathan. Right. You can see the expression on her face when she sees, when she realizes what happened. What actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. That the um, the rats were captured sent to cages in a place called Nim were tortured um, 20 rats, 11 mice given injections. And that's probably the scariest part of that. And the, um, the whole sequence with the, with moving, the moving sequence is pretty intense at least. But um, Agreed. yeah, um, they, all the, all the mice were, were blown away to their deaths, except for, Jonathan and Mr. Ages. And that's when uh, Jonathan died unlocking the door and poisoning the cat. Um, and uh, and so then Nicodemus gives Mrs. Brisby the amulet. And he says, when worn by one with a courageous heart, the stone glows red. Courage of the heart is very rare. So I, I, that's a beautiful kind of sentiment, I think. Oh, I agree. And I love how the amulet is drawn, too. Mm-hmm, and I too. love how, when we first get introduced to it, how you see the reflection of um, Nicodemus's face in it. And anyway, it's really, mm-hmm. to me, very appealing. Yeah, I agree. It's so beautiful. And especially once she actually uses it in yeah, the light. Yeah, then, well, holy cow. Yeah, <laughs> no, we'll get it's, there, so it's so great. So yeah. satisfying. And so Jenner wants to kill Nicodemus. And uh, so they will stay there and, uh, and the Thorn uh, Valley plan will die. 
And he says, we can no longer live as rats. We know too much. And uh, I think he says yeah. somewhere like the difference between um, is the difference between man and beast is that is that you can you can gather knowledge something like that that you can study and become more uh, as opposed to just working on instinct kind of a thing i forget it's not he doesn't say it that way but it, yeah he doesn't say it that way but i know yeah exactly what yeah. you mean yeah we yeah. know too much yes um and so she sends Jeremy to go get the string. He collects string for his love <laughs> nest. <laughs> and uh, she volunteers to f- for the poison uh, for Dragon, the cat. Uh, and then you get this whole sequence where she poisons the cat. And uh, Billy in the house catches her. And again, you can see her just visibly shaking, which I thought mm-hmm. was so well done. Yeah. Uh, I loved the whole scene where you see her kids and there's all these bubbles and you see, you don't actually see the kids. You see the reflection of the kids in the bubbles. I thought that looked really good. And then she gets put in this bird cage and I really liked the whole sequence with her trying to escape from the bird cage. Me too. It was really, yeah. It's clever. Clever, expertly done. And you know, thrilling. You know, you're so mm-hmm. nervous for her. yeah. And then this whole sequence where they're moving her house is just a masterpiece. I think. You know, right? It is. Mm-hmm. So, it's so good. <laughs> Here, I'm just gushing on this movie. <laughs> yeah, because it it all falls apart because of Jenner and uh, Nicodemus gets crushed, and again, as you said, it, that's it does a heartbreaking. Feel- it does feel Shakespearean. I mean, there's, it's, you've got some King Lear in this. You've got some Macbeth yeah. in this. You've got some of these these types of of themes. Yep. And well, then just with a fine actor like Derek Jacoby, you know, mm-hmm. voicing, yeah, Nicodemus, he really gives it that kind of gravitas. You know, I think that that that, that character needs, but without being too pompous. I just thought mm-hmm. I thought it was a perfect choice. And I, when Mr. Ages and Mrs. Brisby hear about Nicodemus, that whole scene is so effective. Yeah, I agreed. You really see it in their eyes and their whole bodies, mm-hmm. of their expression. And and then... And a shout out to the animators again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a fine job they did. They did an incredible job. And then when Jenner is just like, don't listen to her, she's hysterical. I thought that was such a good moment because how often are women discounted as just, Oh, you're, you're emotional. We actually, I have a sex in the city recap podcast and we were just talking about that, that um, in one of the episodes where Samantha's trying to get a job and the, the, um, the guy that's trying to hire her is is kind of, Oh, are you going to get emotional? You know, kind of a thing. And, and that is sometimes you get that, impression you get that stereotype about women and i mean and if we are more emotional is that necessarily a bad thing what's wrong with showing emotion it's yeah they're like making it sound like a weakness which i think is you know often the the case it is so not true like (laughs) hello it's a strength 
Yeah, I mean, not only is her family getting moved, but uh, Nicodemus has died. Of course, you're going to be emotional. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a widow, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, and so Jenner tries to take the stone, and I kind of love whenever they're like, the stone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, just feels powerful. Yeah. Um, And you get this whole fight between Justin and Jenner. It's a good fight. It's really good. And and Jenner, and this, again, also very Shakespearean when he... He can he confess I killed Nicodemus. Yeah. He wanted to destroy everything. Uh take what you can when you can and and then Justin says, Well, then you've learned nothing. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and uh Justin stabs Jenner and then he says, Tonight we journey to Thorn Valley and you see up above Jenner has arisen. And he's about to to come to stab Justin when his little henchman guy throws the knife in the back of Jenner. And then you see... <laughs> it's a great scene. It, it is, is a great scene. Really well done. Yeah. And then we you get this bubble like... And it turns out the cinder block of her home is sinking into the mud and that whole scene is so well done i mean justin like pulling her away uh, and she's freaking out because obviously her children are all getting are drowning they're drowned yeah Mm -hmm. and buried alive kind of thing she's desperate for her family and for her kids and then the amulet comes to her she puts it on and she holds it and she hears the courage of the heart is very rare. The stone has a power when it's there. So she grabs the amulet and it sends, you see this of the light spraying from her mm-hmm. and uh, it it's, it's powerful. And it's at first it's so hot. It, it it's like burning. She can't hardly hold on to it. And then she grabs it. And just absorbs all of that that, that energy. And it's so well done again, too. You know, the way that the way that it's the way that it's animated. I really I just I I love the artistic choices that they made. I think it's one of the most beautiful and effective scenes in an animated film. It's a good yeah, it's a great one. No question about it. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, so then she brings the house up um, and then the uh, the exertion of it makes her pass out. And, and then you see Jeremy coming with all of his string for his love nest. Right. Uh, and uh, then there's a girl bird. <laughs> we meet this girl bird that Jeremy is <laughs> and hanging got, out with. You've got the, uh, the little kid that says, look, mommy, it's another turkey. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Justin has the amulet, uh, and he the rats went to Thorn Valley. So that's how it ended. And, Happy ending. Yes, and I agree with you though. Would have been. I don't know why she didn't just go with them to Thorn Valley. I guess she would have been the only mouse, but still, her exactly. and the strangers. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, I love this movie. I think it is really, really, really good. One of my top 10 favorites. The voice work is great. I love the animation. The story's really good. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would give it a very high score. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so it was really fun to talk about it. Thank you for doing oh, this. Thank you again for always <laughs> bringing these great films into my life. And it's so fun to be reminded of this one and just mm-hmm. how good it is. Yeah. I think we both give it thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, let us know what you think if you've seen this movie. It's all over the internet for free. You can yeah, watch it. Yeah, I watched it for free on YouTube. I had to watch it with some ads, but big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. I watched it on Tubi. And yeah, so there were a few little ads, but yeah, it's all over the place. So definitely check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. And let us know in the comments section uh, what you think. We'd love to hear or on Twitter. And Stanford, where can people find you? On Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark. And I have a movie podcast and blog at moviespastandpresent.com. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Check that out. Also, uh, you can check me out at the Homeworkies podcast and, uh, and then also check out our patron group and merch store. In the merch store, we have hashtag animation junkie shirts. And so definitely take a look at that. We would really appreciate it. And thanks so much, everybody. We will talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. Well, bye.